we try because we think that if students are doing these kind of thesis and work, it also will be very connected to the interests in the community or in the city instead of a student work from only like a student perspective or so. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Urban environments need your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being. Developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management. This is a conversation with Eva Sudin. Eva Sudin is Associate Professor in Media and Communication Studies at Halmstad University and Director of the Master Programme for the Nordic Welfare. Soledad Zamora is an advisory board member for the Master Programme at the Halmstad University in Sweden. Eva and Soledad are the midpoint between the community and the welfare system in Halmstad, Sweden. Today, we talk about how to achieve health and happiness in our communities. So stay till the end to find out. I usually begin by asking about a place that you like to visit. So Eva, hello, would you like to start? Hi. Yes, I could share with you what I do almost every day when the weather will allow me to, because uh, here in Halmstad, we are situated on the West Coast. What I do every day is that I take a walk down to the beach. Beaches, being close to the sea, always been very important to me. And that's one of the best places I find to be when you like to feel relaxed. Oh, beautiful Sweden. Yes. And Sol, would you like to tell us about a place that you like near you? Yeah, I love to bike by the sea of the river. Amazing. And to explore the, the forest uh, by biking. It's amazing. And I love it. I love the fresh air. And to be able to see the greenery. Now in the winter, uh, some trees are not that green. But still, the landscape is amazing. Even though it's cold when, uh, cold when you when you bike, uh, it's amazing to feel the fresh air on your on your face. Fresh air, yes, I can certainly imagine. And Eva, would you like to tell us a little about the program that you actually manage, please? The master program is a one-year program in uh, health and lifestyle, but it is a program from the perspective of the Nordic region and the Nordic welfare model. So you study many perspectives from like a social science and a health science. The master program is a one-year program and you study perspectives on welfare uh, society, but also from a health science perspective. So we integrate different ideas of what's combining like for a good life in this program. The Social Progress Index that measures the extent to which countries provide for the social and environmental needs of its citizens suggests that Sweden is in the top tier. And repeatedly, every time I read something in terms of nice places to live, nice welfare, nice society, actually Sweden happens to come at the top of uh, the maturity in its welfare. So would you please define for us, what is welfare? 
Welfare is a very complex concept. It's everything from like a societal level, uh, the institutions of welfare, of course, healthcare, education systems, and social systems, but also the importance of a good life in terms of having availability to arts and places and uh, communication structures and so on. So it's, it's a very broad concept when you talk about welfare. So it strikes me that welfare looks at health and happiness for the people. For those that are outside Sweden, what does that mean in terms of initiatives that you have available to the community? Is there something in terms of social trust or connection or meeting places that would actually provide us with some ideas? Then I will talk about the importance of nature and surrounding. This is actually a very important part if you want to feel well, and which we actually we can translate into well-being that is part of the welfare. Welfare is not only about institutions. Of course, in this case, institutions and government play a very strong role. It's actually necessary to have social trust, to be able to trust in your institutions and to have strong uh, institutions to be able to achieve these goals that Sweden has done. In this case, uh, since uh, the welfare is also well-being, or means well-being, so I will focus on nature, and nature is a huge part of welfare. In this case, nature is not just plant trees around the cities to look beautiful, but it also means to promote the national parks which Sweden does. Sweden has a large number of national parks where people can go there and walk around, have picnics. Of course, people are educated and they take responsibility of what it means to go in the forest and to explore these places with responsibility without causing any damage to plants, without cutting trees, without damaging nature, but respecting the nature and all the surroundings. This is one important thing about the natural parts of Sweden. And I guess if you want to have these beautiful parts, you also have, as a citizen, have a store, um, a big responsibility of taking care of the places and be responsible about how you are going to behave towards nature. Welfare is not only how we, we sit in our houses and wait until the, the government is going to do everything for us and we are just here and receive things. No, of course, people in Sweden also work very hard. People in Sweden also work long hours. Uh, the journeys are also uh, long for many jobs. A lot of jobs also have different shifts. It means that they also work during the nights and some jobs, as in this case, nurses. They also work at night or doctors, people that work in elderly homes, for instance. They also have different times. And some of those things are not as fantastic as we can imagine because people also have struggles with working a lot. And nature actually plays a big role in it, in the well-being of people. Okay, I work a lot and I struggle a lot at work because I also have to make money to keep my family going, to keep my life going and my lifestyle and pay all the bills. But I also have this greenery that I have 
the chance to go out even afterwards. After working long hours, after I feel so tired, I have the chance to go and breathe some air and then take new energy to start again. I guess this is part of the welfare as well. Yes, I think that when you look at the welfare perspective, you also include everyday things, you know, like to be able to have places to go to. Yeah, I think when it comes to accessibility of being out in the nature, we take it very much for granted. Even the forest that will be privately owned, you are allowed to use as a person. I mean, we don't have fences around a forest that will be privately owned. They are not national parks, but you can still be, be using them for your recreation and take walks and so on. And that's very important for people here. I think that you have the access. But also in terms of welfare in city areas and, and so on, it's a, a very important thing when you structure new areas also to include the idea of spaces for sharing, like spaces to feel safe, spaces where you can meet other people. I mean, we don't see very much of that at the moment, but that's the same for the rest of the world. But that's the sort of foundation of spaces and also feel safe and, and feel trust in, in also the authorities in society. That's what we usually label as social trust, which is very still very high in the Nordic region. So those things are very important, city structures, town structures, and also the, the nature if it's forest, if it's beaches, or, or other ways of being outdoors. Outdoors is one of those welfare concepts, I would say, in terms of the lifestyles here in this area of the world. It is something really nice, isn't it? To be able to breathe, to be able to clear one's head. In fact, I often go for a walk just to get a little bit of uh, peace and quiet. So once there is safety, it is very difficult to see the absence of safety. So there are many places in the world where there is absence of safety and one can feel it. On a slightly different note, you know, when we think of Sweden, we think of employment, equality and a better life for all. Sweden has experienced ups and downs in its welfare system, like many other countries. But of course, you guys have managed to incorporate all the learning. And would you like to share an example of how you support the definition and the places for the people? Yes, one of my tasks is to encourage students that are going to write their master thesis for the Nordic Welfare Program, to encourage them to write a, or to design posters, to present their thesis projects, and to communicate science for all. In this case, the students are provided with different structures and ideas for them to develop own posters and to present their scholar results in an easy way, either for applying for jobs or for presenting their information to other scientists. The idea is also to start sharing the knowledge to all and that these posters can be used for informing people about this uh, scientific uh, research. How fantastic. So do you actually get to invite people from the community or people that may at some point decide to invest? Because this knowledge sharing is something that can definitely leverage onto getting a project started. 
Well, the thing is that we also work with different organizations and authorities in the community as much as we can at the university. And we do have some projects that we try to involve students to continue the thesis work within uh, different projects. One that might be of interest now that actually we were trying to promote this last year, but due to the pandemic, it, it came to a halt. But there are areas is, um, in Halmstad, areas that will be changed for the future. And the municipality like to invite different aspects. And we have an overall project within this idea of what do we need to know how to, to shape new areas in town for the future? Also very much, of course, connected to what we might refer to smart cities and, and everything that what that could mean. But also what do we need to think about when we change an area that might be have been an industrial area to become an area where you have still maybe some industries or factories, but also people living there and, and get a new kind of life into that area. We try because we think that if students are doing these kind of thesis and work, it also will be very connected to the interest in the community or in the city instead of a student work from only like a student perspective. I mean, we try to have very close collaborations for the students. So every time there, there will be some kind of an idea popping up from outside the university in terms of civil organizations or uh, public organizations or, and so on, we try to promote those things for the students to be part of that. Basically, our student population, doesn't matter what age people are when they are doing these courses, are actually the trigger for change and improvement in our societies. So how do you encourage awareness of healthy lifestyles as part of your welfare system? I think one example that we could give from this perspective is that, for example, I have colleagues at the university within the sports department, and they have researched quite a bit of research about outdoor gyms. And those are things that we see here. We do have outdoor gyms around the city. That's also part of when we're talking about spaces, also to create spaces for actually being active. So you see, that's also part of the, of course, the welfare system and promoting a lifestyle that will bring you outdoors, but also bring you to work your body, gyms. It's not that it's exclusive for Sweden or other Nordic countries, and you find them in other parts of the world, but it seems like it's something that is becoming more common now. We could certainly do much more, isn't it? Because it's a matter of will. If someone can do a little bit of volunteering and actually knows how to design these centers, these meeting outdoor gym places, then they can volunteer a little bit of the time and probably the, the government or the local community can actually, or the businesses could actually support financially. So everybody can support and collaborate towards these healthier lifestyles. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else on lifestyles that people would like to add? I guess uh, the students just adopt the bikes as part of the lifestyle when they come to Sweden. Because since uh, Sweden has a lot of cycling roads, 
and they are very good. And nowadays they are promoting more and more biking among the citizens and they are spreading out these biking roads more and more and their walking sites as well. Uh, the students, when they come to study to Hampstead University, they just adopt their bike as part of their lifestyle and it's just take it for granted that they just have to bike and they just rent a bike or buy a bike because it's part of it. And I guess that part of the lifestyle is just it's normal. They just get it. And I guess it's just nice because they go back to their countries and then they think, oh, well, in Sweden, I use the bike as part of my everyday life. And then now, why in my country we don't have it, as in Mexico, for instance? Yes, that's very interesting, isn't it? How in many parts of the world, at some point, there has been a little reluctance in terms of cycling. And then as people see that Seville is involved, uh, obviously Sweden is involved and Paris is trying to do a little bit more in terms of the cycling. Now there are other countries that say, well, actually, why not? Let's get on our bikes and start cycling a little bit more because it's something that actually helps an awful lot. And how about the age difference? Because I think, Eva, would you like to share a story about any of your students in terms of what age means? Because in certain countries, you know, different people age at different times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can share the story of um, one of the um, groups when the first day at the university and uh, I was welcoming the new group of students and I, I might have asked them a little bit about like, well, what's the first thing you think of now when you when you come to Sweden and you're going to study for one year uh, issues about the Nordic welfare? And one of the students said, one thing that I thought of is that I find it so amazing that people are actually exercising and going to gyms when they get older. And then she said, well, you know, like women in the 50s are <laughs> uh, going to the gym. And I was smiling because there I was in front of them, a woman in her 50s. And yes, of course, I do sometimes go to the gym. So I could recognize myself in that image, even if I'm the, the one that goes like many times a week. But uh, but I thought it was interesting because it, it never struck me. I mean, we take that for granted. I think that in, in general, in the Nordic countries, we, when we refer to the elderly, we actually thinking of them much, much older than being in your 50s. That's still young, I think, from, from our perspectives. But that, of course, is something that's changing for, uh, with every generation. So the generation young now they will probably think they are younger even when they get older more than my generation I think but but I thought that it was a good it was an eye-opener for me to hear this because I I don't think I ever thought that someone would think wow in in Sweden or in the Nordic countries people in the 50s are going to the gyms wow I mean that's just just natural normal to me I mean, when I go to the gym, I meet lots of people much older, like 20, I would say 20, 25 years older than myself. And, and I don't even think about that. It's just natural. I totally relate. I had, um, I was walking on a road in, in England with one of my uncles. 
And it was quite interesting because he was walking really, really slowly, you know, already, you know, a very, very old man. And then as we sat down and had a coffee in the open air, there were the British Morris dancers, you know, very, very old people dancing and jumping and moving about. And my uncle went, oh, oh, hold on a minute. That means that, you know, my uncle being 10, 15 years younger than the average age. And then he thought, oh, maybe I should be out there doing more stuff. So absolutely, absolutely. Age is in the mind. And hopefully we keep healthy to keep our bodies going. So what challenges do you see in the welfare sector in the Nordic region in the next few years? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, how we will reflect on different issues within the welfare idea after the pandemic. Because we've seen that the Nordic countries or the Nordic region usually we think about as one more or less like a, a structure that is quite similar. That's one of the first things we say to students here is that we don't talk about the Nordic welfare model as singular. It's, it's pluralist because it is different from, from the countries, but still the foundations, they will be the same. But during the pandemic, with all the different restrictions and the way of handling the pandemic, in the different countries and also with the borders closed between the countries will certainly give questions about the differences as well and, and how the, the collaborations within the Nordic countries will uh, continue after this. That's a challenge and of course interesting to follow up and we don't have the answers for this now of course when we are still in the middle of the pandemic. You talked about collaboration. Now I assume that collaboration also means within the community and how to provide better welfare to communities. It depends on if you look at it from like a, a smaller perspective or like a, a community within a city or, or a town, or if you look more in general. I mean, we've had a, a, the free flow of employment and labor work in, in within the Nordic region. And that's one of those issues at the moment now for people living in one country, but working in another and how to cross the borders every day. For many people, this is an everyday challenge, I guess, because they have to stop maybe and take the test and so on. But, but they do the best to uh, come across this for people actually in this situation. So we see that that is also part of the collaborations between countries and how to, how do you do about that when you close the border, but still you have this with people living in one country and working in another country and how to go back and forth. I think also on, on community level, you will probably see different initiatives for helping out, but I'm not sure if they will be different here than what you see in so many other parts of the world where people are actually going coming together for helping out different businesses and so on. Like could be anything from making sure that you uh, take out lunch to, to, you know, to help the restaurants to survive in this difficult time and so on. Don't know, Saul, if you want to add. 
I just was thinking about the latest conference. I was about ecotourism. So now there's a lot of dilemmas. If, for instance, are we going to support the local tourism with local tourists? Because uh, people, since they travel a lot, uh, they use uh, airplanes, so they contaminate. Or are we going to tax tourists to come to this part of the world? Even though they already pay a big amounts of money to come here and visit and learn about our lifestyles and everything. So I guess like the dilemmas now regarding to nature and sustainability have been broader because now it's uh, what is good, what is bad. I think also one of the big challenges here is also the the concern about the climate changes and, and so on. And it, it, it is a, a big issue. You, uh, you have um, a big discussion in society about this. And it's also concerning a lot of young people, of course. And what kind of actions that will be taken from the community and the natural perspectives on how you actually will solve this. That's a huge challenge for the future or we're already there, I would say. And that are also, of course, including the idea of welfare. Another challenge I think would be like how to address the differences between the rural and the city lifestyle. I mean, okay, the rural is isolated, but anyhow more healthy. Uh, while the big cities now are dealing a lot with a lot of problems and it's crowded everywhere. And now, okay, we have a lot of parking lots and cars, but we also need nature. So I guess it's been a lot of thinking about urban issues, sustainability. Yeah, and it just I, I just thought of one th more thing that also connect to the like city planning and having uh, communities with actually open spaces for people and so on, because Another thing that you can, well, you can talk about for, for hours, it is actually the, when you look at the, the structure of society that, like in Sweden, we have so many people living on their own, like they are one person households. Um, and that, of course, at the time being, when people are isolated as they are, that, that brings also the you know, questions about how do we structure uh, our towns and, and places and communities to integrate people to be more uh, part of the community and not being isolated, not feeling lonely, because it is one of those things. Be people are healthy here in Sweden. And like when you're in general terms and when you get older, you still live, you can be 90, 95 years old and live in your own apartment. And of course, in times like they are now, when you are so isolated, that is, that is a big challenge. How do we provide the mental health of being feeling well when you are in these uh, circumstances? Even after the pandemic, it's a good thing to think about how you structure spaces and when you create new places, bring this into mind as well. So it sounds to me that it is about thinking how to improve, trigger that improvement through education, and then actually make it happen through collaboration. Do you agree? 
Have I missed anything? Absolutely. You know, nothing is never good. You know, like it could always be improved, always because society and life, everything is always changing. So you always need to have that in mind. And so when we, within this program, I mean, we also bring up these different challenges for finding or discussing solutions or having different perspectives, also bringing in from the uh, students from all parts of the world. So that's really also giving a lot of different new perspectives on certain things that we include in the welfare perspective. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining. And if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. Urban environments need your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being, developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management.